Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome to the show, Ridiculous Historians. We are coming to you live under some very special circumstances uh, through the power of technology. We are continuing Ridiculous History during a no-fooling quarantine. Hi, I'm, I'm Ben. I recognize you on the screen, sir. I'm sorry. I was holding that in, <laughs> holding that in so hard. I, it's almost like when somebody yawns, you feel compelled to yawn. Mm -hmm. Why is it that we go, ah? When we take a sip of a refreshing drink, I'm Noel, by the way. Yeah, yeah, you're Noel. Uh, that's a great question, Noel. I wonder if it's partially just because of the advertising. Maybe it's kind of earwormed us to expect that every time we hear that iconic click of a can. It's like a Pavlovian dog drool effect, kind of, something along those yeah, lines. Yeah, or, or maybe it's even like in the post-Smash Mouth era, mm. every time you hear somebody go, some... Oh God! Oh, you're right. no! Oh wow! I just had like a brain brain twitch when you did that. Uh, no, you're absolutely you know you're absolutely right. And I've got another one that I that I think is a little less less uh, uh, ubiquitous, but it's uh, she she. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> Wakes up in the morning. Um, but no, it's true, Ben. We are in quarantine. Uh, Super producer Casey Pegram is in fact in his closet. I'm trapped in the closet, guys. Um, <laughs> should, I, should I be talking more in this direction, probably? Yeah, that sounds a little better. The, 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 we're, we're working live here. This is all a, a, a grand experiment. Yeah. You can talk in whichever direction feels most natural to you. So when you say you're trapped in the closet, not in an R. Kelly no, cancel culture He's been completely way, right? canceled. No, no okay, I'm literally yeah. just trapped in the closet in my apartment because this room has the best 
acoustics for for what we're doing here. So and no one has trapped you there. You're in no, there. No, no, no. Well, I'm right? I'm okay. here of my own volition. Um, everything's fine. Well, it's it's not, but you know, as as far as things <laughs> right. go, it's fine. That's the right. world's burning down, but the closet is an oasis of sanity and order. It's a sauna on the level of the shipping container at the office. Actually, it's kind of a oh, it's, wow. it's kind of a hot box in here. Super producer Casey Pegram is going method as we record in quarantine. Uh, so, More like methane. Right? <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Sorry, so, uh, so here we are. We have been so grateful for uh, everyone, uh, all of your fellow ridiculous historians listening. We know a lot of people are in self isolation or maybe a quarantine, and these are uh, candidly. Uh, very, very uncertain times. Uh, but the three of us wanted to keep this show going, uh, no matter what it took. And for the next several episodes, we don't know how long, we might be coming to you from our respective bunkers, which are just going to get weirder as we go, right? Yeah, it's true. I mean, I'm in my bedroom. Um, I have a little home studio with all my synthesizer nerd toys surrounding me, um, which gives me some comfort, at least. If I, if you hear me like making a little beat on the side or hear a little deedle-deedle or kind of like uh, some bleeps and bloops, you'll know why. Um, but this is our lives, you guys, and we're very, very lucky. I can't stress this enough to be uh, in an industry where we're able to keep working and keep putting out these shows and hopefully giving you folks at home some kind of comfort, some kind of company, you know? Um, uh, and and I, I, I just want to say to all uh, my friends and, and our listeners that work in the service industry that are a retail that are really getting hit hard by this. We see you and um, we, you know, just let us know if there's anything that we can do. I don't know other than just kind of being there uh, and keep doing what we're doing, what we can do. But um, we we see you and uh, it's the whole thing is just kind of a mess. Um, and I, I don't even that's all I know how to say about it. Yeah, agreed. So uh, to emphasize that point before we get started today uh this show is and has always been at least at least for us a, a community you know and the, right. the the show doesn't stop when the episode's over so uh please please come share your stories with us twitter instagram facebook uh we love our page ridiculous historians uh we're all even if we can't be physically here for each other uh which we haven't been if we're in podcasting, right? Uh, we can be here mentally uh, and we can get through this stuff together, uh, especially because it's weird. You know, we're a history show and we're we're at a an historic moment in time. Today, we wanted to introduce you. I'm, I'm laughing because this is such a weird segue. Uh, today, we wanted to introduce you to a uh, particularly strange bit of ridiculous history that I, I don't know about you, Noel. This was news to me when I was looking into it. I, I almost didn't believe it. I thought it was an exaggeration. No, I mean, I also like I read the headline and what the ultimate like story was didn't match what in my mind the headline uh, represented. Um, the headline being the title of today's episode, how Pepsi briefly became the sixth largest navy in the world and you know i don't actually know what i thought that it meant um <laughs> but no it turns out that it's uh some very clever bartering um some very clever kind of quid pro quo uh between the uh the russian government and the pepsi corporation and it's ultimately a story of 
coming out from behind the Iron Curtain and kind of trying to uh, try on some American products for size uh, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of Russia trying to like kind of join the rest of the world after the end of the Cold War, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's a great place for us to begin. So the Cold War in the 1950s, you know, the, everybody knows kind of what the Cold War was. Two hegemonic superpowers, the U.S. and the USSR, uh, both want to be the, the big dog on the planet, and they both want to avoid an out-and-out direct confrontation. So they wage proxy wars, Diplo- uh, you know, unethical diplomacy, propaganda, uh, different countries that are full of innocent bystanders are being used as uh, as battleground. And the crux of it is that 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 both com- both countries are armed uh, nuclearly, right? Right, right. So they can Nobody wants an escalation because of mad, mutually assured destruction. The theory that says if one person or one state launches a nuclear weapon, then it'll become increasingly easier for other states to rationalize launching them. So no one wants to tip the apple cart too far. It's kind of like we, we talked about this earlier in, in one way. It's like if you're a kid and you were ever trying to race one of your friends in school, but you couldn't run because the teacher would get angry at you. So you're kind of power walking. So they it's want, right. yes. or, I know. No, I know. or like around the pool, you know, you there don't want to be yeah. the kid that gets yelled at by the lifeguard for running. And right. then your idiot friend is the one who ends up cracking his skull on the side of the shallow end. So, yeah. you know, he had it coming uh, in this hypothetical scenario. <laughs> right. Which maybe not a one-to-one comparison to nuclear war, but you see uh, what we're getting at folks. So at different times, the U.S. and the USSR would escalate things, and then they would try to ease things down. Uh, this story uh, sort of begins when the USSR and the U.S. were in a period of easing tensions. They started this thing they called cultural exchanges. And this was like, hey, let's learn more about people as people. Learn more about the people of Russia as humans and the people of the U.S. as humans. So it came to pass in the summer of 1959, the Soviet Union held this kind of like, uh, I guess we call it a mini world fair. I, I was thinking the same thing, Ben. It's very much like, but highlighting American products. Uh, everyone was there from IBM to Dixie Cup, uh, Disney, of course, you know, because at the end of the day, I mean, the folks on the ground in Russia, uh, there was always a desire for American culture from the actual, you know, people that live in in the Soviet Union. Uh, we did an episode on those uh, Russian hipsters that were bootlegging Elvis Presley 78s on uh, uh, what was it? Um, X-ray. X- X-ray uh, pronounced that they kind of dumpster dive from hospitals. There was always a strong desire for American culture. So this is a big deal, right? All of a sudden, hey, American culture is coming to Russia in the form of the American National Exhibition in Sokolniki Park in Moscow. And like I said, we had IBM, we had Disney, we had Dixie Cup, we had all of these massive brands, and that included Pepsi. Yes, that included Pepsi. Uh, also, the um, the Soviet Union held a similar exhibition in New York City, and they did the same thing with Russian displays. So this was very quid pro quo Clarice. Uh, on July 24th, at the American National Exhibition there in Sokolniki, the Soviet premier, Khrushchev, visits this exposition and then he he meets Richard Nixon, who at this time is just vice president. He had been sent, uh, you know, as a stand in for Dwight Eisenhower, the president, because, you know, 
no spoilers, but obviously the U.S. president wasn't going to travel there. So they look around, Khrushchev and Nixon are walking around, they're looking at this model home, the U.S. Uh, American dream model home, and then they start talking smack to each other. You know, I picture it as a very catty thing about capitalism versus communism. <laughs> Throwing a little shade. There we go. You know? yeah. Exchanging some barbs. And then uh, and they did it on the air, too, right? Yeah. So it's pretty cool. I'm, as, a, as a technology nerd, um, I, I can actually point out uh, that the microphone they stand in front of in this model kitchen um, is, is this very specific RCA broadcast microphone. That's a ribbon microphone and it's very, very sensitive. So if you ever get your hands on a ribbon microphone, don't drop it because you can actually literally render one of these very uh, delicate pieces of technology completely useless. Um, but yeah, they're standing in front of this microphone in what has since become known as, what was it? The kitchen debates. That's Right? Correct, yeah. And you, you can get a gander at this yourself on YouTube uh, pretty easily. There's uh, there's several versions of it up right now. Um, and, yeah, it's true. I mean, they uh, say things like, here's a quote from, from it. Oh, my gosh, Ben, and this is an opportunity we've, we've been waiting for for so long, our, an opportunity to do a, a, a Nixon off, uh, which is, sort of sounds like a Russian word, a Nixon off. Uh, so I'll, I'll start if you don't mind. Yeah, um, let's see. Uh, oh, I haven't done this in so long. Um, let's see. I'm a little hoarse, too. So let me, let me do my best here. Um, oh, you, 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 you plan on it. No, I can't do it. That's no, gone. I'm gonna let what? you do it. No, you still got <laughs> the on. magic. All right. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. Let's see. Uh, I am not a crook. No, I can't do it. I, you got to get, the, you gotta get the I, Remember? Oh, that's it. Yeah, that's that, that, there that, it. That's it. That's it. I'm going to make it oh, very lippy. Um, you plan to outstrip us, particularly in the production of Consumer Nice. I like the aggro. And then and it continues. Wait for this competition is to do the best for both of our peoples. Have a people everywhere. There must be a free exchange of ideals. I'm sorry. Come again. <laughs> yeah, it was. Very, I'm gonna need a translation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so he's saying you plan to outstrip us, particularly in the production of consumer goods. If this competition is to do the best for both of our peoples and for people everywhere, there must be a free exchange of ideas. And then uh, Khrushchev is arguing back, and Nixon says, "You know, you never concede anything," which is um, fair. Come, yeah, true, but it's also weird coming from him. Oh, big time. But this is also like Nixon when he was still, you know, a sort of a human. Uh, he, he was very young in this video. Like he really looks like he still had a few pieces of his soul remaining, <laughs> right. honestly. Um, and Khrushchev, do you remember that episode we did about what, what was the deal? Like he wanted to go to Disneyland and like they wouldn't let him go oh, yeah. oh. because it was too much of a security risk. Yeah. So I think the fact that Disney was at this expo was no accident. I think Khrushchev was a big fan of Disney. It's interesting that Khrushchev would have espoused any kind of interest in an American stuff. It's, it is fascinating. And I like that you point out that it was probably not a coincidence uh, that Disney was there because a lot of things that looked like happenstance were not actually happenstance here. Because you see, we have tricked you into listening to another con episode. It turns out that this entire kitchen debate uh, and or a lot of the Nixon Khrushchev meeting was part of a plot on, on the side of American capitalism. Uh, good old fashioned hucksterism is how the article on the Daily Coast calls it. The night before Nixon and Khrushchev meet, one of the executives for Pepsi, 
guy named Donald M. Kendall visits Nixon at the U.S. Embassy in Moscow, and he's known Nixon for a long time outside of business relationships. Like they they hang out. You know what I mean? Probably smoke cigars and drink brandies right. and and creepy back rooms sure, together. Yes. <laughs> That's the seems like the yeah type, that was right? that was the uh, that was the style of the day. Uh, you see, Kendall is he's kind of like he wants to be like the Alexander the Great or the Genghis Khan of PepsiCo. He wants to grow the company overseas, and the rest of the Pepsi executive board is like, "What are you doing, man? Time and a place. You're crazy. They're nuclear weapons. I don't know if the soda's worth it." But he goes against them. He sponsors a booth at this exhibition. And in that exhibition, the only thing they give you is Pepsi Cola. And uh, he gets a little bit of juice, a little bit of help from President Nixon. And uh, they, they try to, this is weird. I think this stood out to all of us. This is weird. Uh, the booth gives you two batches of Pepsi. You can get one that's made with water from the U.S., one yeah, oh one made with water from Russia and then slightly irradiated. Slightly irradiated. No, I'm, I'm sure kidding. they did some on purpose, yeah. right? Uh, and then the scoop is that when Kendall visits Nixon secretly, he says, Look, uh, <laughs> look, tricky, which is probably what he called him. He's like, totally. Look, tricky, I, uh, I got to make this trip worthwhile. We're old friends. My job's on the line. I need you to get a Pepsi in Khrushchev's hand. That was the whole point. Yeah, yeah, because there are photographers, uh, you know, with their with their flash bulbs of flashing. This is obviously a big photo op type moment. Um, all of this stuff is is about optics, as they say in in politics, right? Um, and and here's the the rub, which I really really love. It was set up for Khrushchev to you know lose his cool and be like. You know, the, the Russian version is better. The Russian water tastes better because, you know, to Khrushchev, Russia is going to be superior in every single way. In the same way that he got into that, uh, you know, exchange of uh, jabs with Nixon over communism versus capitalism. Of course, he's going to say the Moscow water is better. And uh, essentially, he, he does take you know in, in in doing this in getting kind of honey trapped into picking up this thing to do this Pepsi challenge, which is. Kind of what it, what was the Pepsi challenge? That's where you had to like do a blind taste test, right? Brand X, Brand and X, then, and, yeah. and Pepsi. So this is sort of a version of that. I wonder how this fits into that uh, chronology of the Pepsi challenge. This is a little bit of an augmented Pepsi challenge, um, right. but yeah, he definitely gets the the Pepsi in his hand. I imagine there's some branding on it, and they snap a picture, uh, and he likes the stuff, right? He's a big fan. Yeah, well, he <laughs> he like you said, he wastes no time getting honey trapped and saying, you know. Well, obviously, the Pepsi with Moscow water is better. I don't know why I fell into a little bit of a Russian accent there, but I walked it back. It's now is whiff. not the time. Just a taste. <laughs> now is not the time for caricatures, uh, say your favorite Nixon impersonators. So this photographer, like you said, he he catches Khrushchev, you know, taking that initial sip. And then uh, Kendall is on the other side and he he pours another cup instantly People went crazy for this. I guess he liked it because Khrushchev's son later says that uh, the first thing Khrushchev said, like before he even drank the Pepsi, he sniffed it. And he was like, this smells like shoe wax, but he drank it anyway. The press went crazy. This became like a like a predecessor of a meme. And there were these pictures of Khrushchev everywhere with a with a Pepsi saying Khrushchev wants to be sociable. And that was that that was actually a reference to a Pepsi 
marketing thing at the time, right? Right, which was the slogan, uh, be sociable, have a Pepsi, right? Uh, definitely not be socialist, um, be sociable, have a Pepsi. Uh, but that's the thing, though. You know, I said he went crazy for it. I may have overstated the case a little bit. I don't think this was necessarily about Khrushchev falling in love with the uh, saccharine, um, kind of uh, sickly sweet taste of Pepsi. I obviously have a, a, a horse in this race. I am a Coke man myself, as any uh, red-blooded uh, Atlantan, Georgian should be. Coke is just far superior. I find Pepsi to be, I find it to be cloyingly sweet and uh, and just not pleasant to drink. That's just my two cents, my hot take on it's that. It's like the Dothraki say, man, it is known. It is you know? known. It is known. Uh, but at the time, when does when, when this fall in, in the history of Coke? Because I feel like the, you know, Coke and Pepsi were head to head for a while. So do you think that was part of it where they wanted to really, you know, get a foot in the door and have this big cultural moment to compete with Coke? Well, they definitely they definitely wanted to expand overseas and Pepsi and Coke, you know, both have their markets carved out even now. But they they definitely like anytime you're in that kind of business, you want to at the very least or ideally you want to be the first soda that people in the country have ever seen because right. you set the standard. Remember, we did that episode about Fanta. How that yes. was like the German Coke during mm-hmm. World War Two, yep. and uh, that they used like apple scraps and like things they had left over, and whatever marketing genius figured out how to do that on the German side, he was like a hero, you know, because yeah. he, he kept that going internationally, and then it became like a whole European explosion. So this was an example of that on the Pepsi side, and like you said, I mean, the optics of that photo op really set the world on fire because it was sort of like. Everything's cool. Khrushchev and Nixon are kicking it, sharing a ice cold Pepsi together. What could be more American than that? Right. And meanwhile, the folks at Coke are, you know, gnashing their teeth, I'm sure, shaking their sticky soda fist at the sky. Uh, Kendall, by the way, he is riding high. He is a hero in Pepsi culture, of course, but he is also, you know, he's becoming iconic in his own right in the United States. And I think it's only six years after this American national exhibition, he becomes CEO and he says, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to continue this growth. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes. You heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. 
Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car, and I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know, I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac yeah. Bonnevilles. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, I said El Camino <laughs> and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. But it, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Now, we know what you're thinking. You're thinking, hey, guys. This just sounds like a clever marketing kind of con thing, uh, but we were promised a Navy. We're getting there. We're getting there because, you see, if we fast forward to 1972, we find that Tricky Dick Nixon is president of the United States and his old pal Kendall is serving as CEO of Pepsi-Cola and their plans overlap once again. What was Kendall's position when he made this genius marketing move? Uh, marketing. He was okay. he, he was in charge of their marketing division. So this really catapulted him, or at least was the beginning of a, a very fortuitous uh, career uh, trajectory for this guy, I imagine, if he went from marketing to CEO. Maybe that's a natural progression. I don't really follow these kinds of corporate things. But uh, either way, he's at the top seat now, right? Like he, he, he fought his way to the top, and now here he is. Nixon is now also in the top seat. Um, They're both and, in the catbird seat. Yeah, yeah, and they've been pals for a minute as well. Yeah. And uh, there's this, you know, again, it's the Cold War. Remember how how we described it earlier? There, there are escalations and de-escalations. Right. This, this is during a de-escalation time uh, or period. And Nixon is saying, OK, we want to ease the tensions. We want to expand commerce with the USSR. Let's get some Western brands in there. You know, uh, this is probably... Uh, I don't know about the chronology, but some of the thinking around the time here is similar to uh, that old theory about McDonald's and war. You guys have heard that one, right? Nope. It's it's a it's a now discredited 
are now no longer true uh, international relations theory that said countries that both have McDonald's tend to go to war less often or not at all. And for a long time, it was kind of true. Isn't that weird? Interesting. That is weird. Um, yeah, it's funny too. Just really quick to backtrack to the Cold War. I guess one thing that makes a Cold War a Cold War is like nobody declares war. It's really not even a war, right? Basically. Like on paper, right? So right. there's no like formal end to it. It's just a series of escalation and de-escalation. So this is just kind of like them dipping their toe back early when they had that expo. That was probably the biggest example of them. Let's dip our toe into like palling up and trying to like put all this nasty business behind us. So cut to 13 years-ish later, and Russia really wants to exclusively bring Pepsi to its uh, its shores. Um, and in order to do that, they look to uh, Richard Nixon and our boy Kendall to, to figure out how to make that happen, right? Yeah, yeah. Here's, here's how it goes down. So Kendall now is CEO, and he is in sort of a a Highlander situation with Coca-Cola. There can be only one, right? And he thinks the USSR is going to be this huge market. And he he gets with Nixon, who, you know, again, is now president. And he uses that nepotism, that influence, uh, to negotiate a deal with Brezhnev, who is the Soviet premier at the time, and say, okay, we're going to give you a ton of Pepsi. We're going to help you start Pepsi factories in Russia, give you the means of production, right? Communism loves that. Which is the concentrate, by the way. It's just like literally the secret ingredient. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So they're still using the Russian water. Super important. Uh, but the the catch here is that Pepsi would then get exclusive rights within the USSR. So no Coca-Cola would be legal until at least 1985, they ship, like you were saying, Noel, that raw Pepsi syrup to 20 different bottling plants in Russia. That's where they carbonate it. That's where they put local water in it. And as the New York Times put it, this meant that Pepsi was the first, quote, capitalistic product legally available in the USSR. Man, Ben, when you say that raw, uncut, sweet Pepsi concentrate, <laughs> right. makes it sound really nefarious. Um, but yeah, no, it's true. Um, and here's the thing, though, Ben, uh, the Russian currency, the ruble, didn't really the exchange rate wasn't so good uh, for that. So it was it was not particularly feasible for the country to pay um, with their own currency. Uh, so what's a what's a country to do? What's a country in need of some sweet, sweet, uncut Pepsi goodness to do? You need some uh, sweet, sweet bartering, right? Ultimately, uh, because you're right. Not only was the ruble worthless outside of the USSR, but they didn't have a big secret vault of American cash that they could use to pay Pepsi. So <laughs> I don't know why I'm thinking like robbing potatoes, robbing Pepsi to pay potatoes. I don't know. We'll work on it. But anyway, here's what would happen. Uh, Pepsi was going to barter their products, that raw and cut, to the Russians. And in exchange, instead of U.S. dollars, they were going to get government-produced vodka. What's that called? Well, we call it Stoli here. We call it Stoli for good reason, because it's uh, I've never been successful in pronouncing the full name. Casey Pegram, you being our resident language file, uh, I, I am now broadening your uh, <laughs> your title to all languages. Okay. Want to give it a go? 
How about maybe Stolichnaya? Yes. Yes. Casey on the case. Casey big time on the case. Yeah, that Naya. That really is the 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 kind of melodious part of it that really makes you want to get tanked. Yeah, right. It's you feel like you're drinking a song. God, we are killing it with these alcohol taglines. So so they're gonna get paid in vodka. And then when they take possession of all this vodka, the Pepsi company gets the exclusive right to sell Stoli in the States. What happens here is is interesting because uh, the Soviet government begins creating Pepsi and Pepsi begins selling this vodka in the U.S. And in time, it becomes the second largest vodka brand in the country, in the United States. I mean, obviously, this was a, uh, a successful exchange because Pepsi's still kicking and Stoli is, is one of the uh, is considered a what is it? A mid shelf vodka. It's not mm. quite top shelf. It's not like a gray goose. People do like a Stoli on the rocks. I mean, you, I've seen fancy yeah. people order that at bars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen somebody with like a monocle or a mink stole order a Stoli. Uh, and a it's cane that also doubles as a sword. You know? I have one of those. Yeah, do you really? <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, actually, we can we can see each other. Uh, I'll have to I'll have to get it out uh, next time we record. Please do. But the you know Stoli's definitely not that bottom shelf, uh, Mister Boston kind of stuff. Here's the thing, though, what Pepsi was selling was real vodka, genuine 100% vodka. But what the Soviet government was selling as Pepsi was not the same thing uh, that we would consider Pepsi today. Uh, it was it was apparently perceived by people as being a Soviet product. And huh. yeah, and then people in Russia and in the USSR at the time all kind of the conventional wisdom was ah Soviet products are, are terrible, so they thought it wasn't as good. They do still have kind of a rap for that in in those days. Like there are some really interesting Soviet synthesizers, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, to to put put my synth nerd hat back on, but they are a lot of them considered a little bit problematic and buggy, kind of. Mm-hmm. But there are a few very sought after Soviet products, and they're considered uh, a little bit inexpensive and kind of cheaply made, but pretty cool. It's the so. same thing, dude. It's the same thing with automobiles. I did a show a while back on cars behind the Iron Curtain. Of course, with Scott <laughs> Benjamin on Car Stuff. Yep, that's true. And uh, that that episode is still out and kicking somewhere if you want to learn more. And then uh, you can always dive into uh, some synth nerdery with my pal Noel here. Uh, you built us. Did you build a what? What did you build? You built oh, I was about thing. to. I was about to hold it up like the podcast listeners can. Can can there can it see. is, but so yeah. you guys can see it's right here. Yeah, it's this little Moog uh, DFAM drummer from another mother. I went to Moog Fest a few years ago when this was a prototype, and there was a little class where you were able to like build one and solder all the points, and, and it works. I, I I did successfully solder all the nice. points. Good job, man. Thanks, bud. And uh, and so we we know that there was this reputation uh, that for Soviet-made products that continues even in the modern day, even actually down to some of their MREs, uh, for anyone who listened to our earlier episode with Jacqueline Raposo. And so there we go. They pulled off a coup. They have made this huge deal to sell vodka, they being Pepsi, and the Soviet government has made this huge deal to legally have this capitalistic product. But Again, you might be saying to yourself, Casey, Noel, Ben, 
you told me that there was going to be a Navy at some point and you keep saying that there is, but now you guys are just talking about like vodka and weird photo ops. Well, here's the twist, ridiculous historians. You see Pepsi cuts a third deal with Russia. And this is where I would say maybe not the rubber hit the road. uh, Maybe the soda hits the straw. By the late 1980s, Russians are drinking about a billion servings of Pepsi per year. What's a serving? Is that is, is one can a serving? Are they single serving or is it like two servings in a can? I don't, uh, you know, for right now, I'm looking at, I'm actually looking at my trusty can of Coca-Cola here. No yeah. shade. Uh, I'm looking at a 12 floral ounce or 35 milliliter. Floral ounce? Fluid. Yeah, fluid. <laughs> so, floral ounce. No, keep it. Keep it. I like the idea of a floral ounce. I like it too. It sounds very pleasant. Maybe the world would be a better place if we just measured things in flour. I don't, I'm not hippie enough for that to work. But uh, but yeah, so uh, one uh, one 12 fluid ounce can or 355 milliliters is one serving. Okay. Now. So, so, so let's just assume that that holds true. Approximately a billion cans of Pepsi a year. Uh, so by 1988, they'd reached peak, peak Pepsi, let's call it. Um, and they started running commercials. This is also in the years uh, uh, when Michael Jackson was like really making a, a splash in, in the Pepsi ads. And I think there was that one ad in the reign of the states where he he burned his hair quite badly um but yeah he was huge in russia as well and a lot of these ads were starring uh the king of pop himself um so the demand was just really 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 high and the bartering situation was fine because stoli was doing well in the u.s like we said um but here's the problem that demand uh for the product pepsi on the russian side was higher than they had vodka to barter with let's let's call it all the vodka in russia you know couldn't buy them the amount of pepsi cola they their people needed to consume and add to that there was a u.s boycott of stoli uh, as a response to the soviet afghan war Right. and, and pepsi needed something else because people weren't buying vodka the vodka agreement by this point is set to expire in 1989. So just to, just to recap there, Pepsi had exclusivity until 1985, but they had vodka until 1989. And they were, they were worried because the Soviet union over this time had changed fundamentally, you know, Gorbachev is now the premier and he has these domestic reforms uh, that are meant to save the USSR. And a bunch of restructuring, transparency moves, uh, arms control deals. And he wants to give new capitalist consumer goods to the economy to try to improve the standard of living. And Pepsi is, like you said, man, they're going gangbusters. They're selling uh, 300 million rubles a year worth of soda in the USSR. They want to expand. They want to have like 26 new bottling plants. They think their sales are probably going to top over the equivalent of $3 billion US. And then they were also, you know, 
they were brainstorming. They were like, hey, you know what Moscow and St. Petersburg could use? Maybe some Pizza Huts. This is back when Pizza Huts were classy. You know what I mean? Where you could sit down in the restaurant. They had a salad bar and stuff. Really nice salad bar. Really cool movie tie-ins. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember getting uh, Back to the Future sunglasses that mm-hmm. you'd get, you could only get at Pizza Hut You know, with your order. It was like way cooler than a Happy Meal toy. It felt like a real item like of like, you know, cultural importance. Yeah, agreed. Do you guys remember the Book It program? Oh, yeah. Yes, I have a shirt from Book It. Nice. That's my Pizza Hut association. I was just going there after school and like getting the free pizza and reading books. Holy crap. You got to wonder like who struck up that deal. Talk about exclusivity, right? Yeah. Book It uh, and pizza parties in general. Pizza Hut kind of had the racket, ha- ran the gamut on pizza parties mm-hmm. for kids. There were no Domino's pizza parties. It was always the Hut. Yeah, yeah. Domino's was home pizza. Pizza Hut was social event pizza. Casey, I'm so glad that you mentioned Book It. Uh, I want to shout out that program. For anybody who is unfamiliar, Book It was, uh, was and I think is, because uh, they're still on Twitter, and I actually communicate with them on Twitter. Book It was this program for children here in the U.S. for sure, maybe in other parts of the world, uh, wherein you would have a set amount of books that you would read, and you would be rewarded with different levels, right? You would get a button, you might get a t-shirt, but the the big thing was if you mind if you minded your P's and Q's, you could get your own pizza. Calling a tiny pizza a personal pan pizza, by the way, stroke of genius. Stroke uh, of genius. And by the way, one serving size. Personal <laughs> pan, it's for you. You get to eat the whole thing, one serving. Yeah, this isn't like it's not one of those situations where you order fries and someone snags one. Oh, it's true. Hang on, guys. I got to let my cat out. You might hear some meowing. Hang on. Okay. This, this is just real. This is real life. We're going to leave this in. Get out of here. Oh, I hear him. Yeah. Well, that might be. I can't tell if that's his cat or my cat. I oh, that was my, my cat. Okay. My cat's a meowler. Well, hang on. No, my cat's going too. They must have heard yours. <laughs> what? Really? I've got two cats. Yeah. yeah. One super chunk. And then Dr. Venkman is the louder one. He's uh, also if, the scientist of the two, right? Right. He's 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 our uh, Bill Murray. But uh, if you guys hear him, just let me know, and I'll 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 handle it. <laughs> so uh, so here we go. They want to open a Pizza Hut. Pizza Hut is awesome, or Pizza Hut was at least awesome back in the day. Oh, Shout and Pizza out. Hut sells uh, Pepsi exclusively, if I'm not mistaken, right? right? Wasn't that the thing? Yeah. Well, they're oh, they have the same owner. That's right. Yeah. yeah exactly. Uh, and so things are going gangbusters. But there's a complication. There's another complication. The problem is the Soviet ruble still worthless on the international currency market. And selling that vodka, uh, it no longer makes enough scratch to cover the uh, amount of Pepsi that the company wants to sell. So they go back to the drawing board, go back to the bartering table, and they say, look, the Soviet government is going to have to come up with something else to pay us with something other than vodka that we can sell on the international market. And it can't be money because the money doesn't work in the rest of the world. And it can't be vodka because of the boycott, but it has to be something. So they start thinking outside the pizza box. Yeah, they sure do. Uh, And in the spring of 1989, they come to an agreement. Pepsi becomes the proud owner uh, of 17 uh, Soviet submarines, three warships, um, including a decommissioned frigate, which I love. I love a frigate, uh, a cruiser, and a destroyer. 
Um, and the idea here was obviously, you know, very cute. And in, in the way this episode was named, you know, that, that Pepsi had this big Navy, they were not intending to take over the world with their Navy. They just needed something that they could uh, liquidate. Right. Yeah. And their goal for this stuff was to sell it as scrap. These were not new. These were quite outdated, uh, decommissioned uh, military uh, vessels, correct? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Uh, the frigate was decommissioned, as you said. Uh, even the stuff that wasn't decommissioned was old and outdated. Pepsi also got uh, some Soviet oil tankers, and those they either leased or they sold outright uh, in partnership with a company in Norway. And so technically, yes, they did have a, a Navy for a second, but they had no no plans to wage war on Coca-Cola or something. They weren't going to invade Atlanta, Georgia, uh, which would have been interesting. But they did meet their bottom line because now with the money they make for scrapping this flotilla, they sold it in Sweden, right? Uh, and the money they make from leasing or selling these oil tankers lets them double the more than double actually the pepsi bottling plants in the soviet union and then of course instantly because uh people back then loved weird jokes as much as we do now in 2020 people immediately started joking about the cola wars on the high seas and uh this guy kendall who is of course still in in the mix he is buddied up so deep with the presidential administration. He, he's like talking to Brent Snowcroft, who was the national security advisor at the time. And he's like, hey, we're disarming the Soviet Union faster than you are. Very clever. Very clever, Kendall. What was his name? Brent? He seems like a Brent to me. Oh, Brent is the national security advisor. Okay. What was Kendall's first name? He still seems Donald. like a Brent. Donald. I'm going to call him Don. I'm going to call him Donnie. Real clever, Donnie. He's like a child that walks in in the middle of a movie. That's a that's a big Lebowski reference to Steve Buscemi's character, Donnie. Uh, R.I.P. Donnie. Unless he was actually a figment of the dude's imagination, that is a theory uh, floating out uh, out there in the uh, in the internet sphere. But I, I I personally believe Donnie was real. You know, I mm, I've got opinions. I got opinions. Okay. Oh, but. No. Uh, but Okay, save them. <laughs> well, I, I I think there's I think that Big Lebowski is purposely written in this sort of um, uber metacognitive way, so so that it's designed to have those theories that can't really be disproven, but can't really be proven. It's fun to think about. I can know? see that. Yeah, I, I see. I, I would describe what you're saying as like it's, it's almost hyper stylized uh, mm -hmm. to the point where you, you can't quite you have to suspend disbelief the whole time. The whole thing is almost feels like a farce and it doesn't feel very like cinema verite. It's very much like absurdist and kind of all bets are off because you don't really have a sense of like the timeline or, you know, people's relationships. Exactly. Like it's all very kind of up in the air. I see what you're saying, yeah. Ben, and I like it. No, thanks, man. Uh, and shout out to an old friend of mine that I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna uh, cite by name, who once uh, told me to get my life together and to regard the Big Lebowski as quote a cautionary tale. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> That's pretty rough. Uh, was it the dude himself? No, no, it was not the dude himself. I'm sure the dude would be fine uh, with with the way we live our lives, right? He abides. 
tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car, and I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know, I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac, yeah. Bonneville's. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, I said El Camino <laughs> and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. But it, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We are making an exception today. Uh, in addition to, to our exceptional recording circumstances, today's tale is Going into the 1990s, which you know, longtime listeners, we rarely do. We only do it when it's important. We have one rule on our show, which is that we, we want to consider history before the 1990s, but this 
This tale takes us just a little past that. Well, I thought our cutoff was like 93 because of apartheid. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we're no, we're within we're we're within limits here. We're, yeah. we're this is ninety one. Yeah, we're on the border. It's fine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good call. Uh. So the Soviet Union collapses in nineteen ninety one, and with that, the Pepsi deal collapses, and they've gone from having this you know decades long balancing act uh, that that is very profitable for them at times into this mad dash to try to get all of their stuff back before it is taken away by the different governments uh, that are popping up. Uh, So the LA times has this interesting article where they talk about how pizza huts are, you know, kind of turned into garbage or they're made much less cool because of how their supply chains uh, like how the, how their supply chains get complicated by these redrawn borders that start getting mozzarella from Lithuania and stuff like that. And they're partially those, those ships that they had were stranded in Ukraine. And now the country of Ukraine says, we want a cut. We want a piece of the pie. If you want these ships and this uh, to our boy, Donnie Kendall, by the way, is retired and he is still sore about it. He says, oh, my gosh, the USSR has gone out of business. Because that's the way he thinks about things. Exactly. I can understand that. And so, like we said, I mean, Pepsi did have this pretty sweetheart deal exclusive agreement with uh, with with Russia. Um, but, you know, like all good things, they, they must come to an end. And eventually um, their biggest competition, Coca-Cola, and I believe I can speak for you as well, Ben, when I say the superior cola uh, came rushing in and wanted to get a piece of that action. Came rushing in. Yes. Yes. That is. I intended that uh, <laughs> from the from from the moment go. So, yeah, it's it's correct. Uh, they're aggressive and they are the new kid on town. Uh, they don't have maybe some of the associations uh, cultural associations that Pepsi had, you know, accumulated during its time in the USSR. And Pepsi tries a bunch of different marketing campaigns. You know, they've always been pretty, um, pretty original with their marketing campaigns, sometimes for better or for worse. Uh, but Coca-Cola is very good at marketing too. Uh, right now, uh, the world as it stands, if you go to Russia, It'll be easy to find Pepsi because Russia is still Pepsi's second biggest market outside of the U.S. However, Coca-Cola, after just a few years after, you know, quote unquote, entering the chat or entering the game, Coca-Cola beats Pepsi out. And so now, uh, even though Russia is Pepsi's second biggest market, Coke is the most popular soda in Russia. Thank God. (laughs) Right. Uh, And in 2013, the famous Pepsi billboards over Pushkin Square were actually torn down, leading the author of a fantastic Atlas Obscura article to conclude maybe Pepsi should have held on to that destroyer after all. So they could have what, like strong armed their way back into the marketplace? I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't get. You, you know, studies show it's it's pretty difficult to wage war on an idea, and uh, and I gotta say, man, Coke is just great. I I, I gotta say too, Ben. Um, I think this story ultimately has a happy ending because Pepsi's reign of terror over the poor hapless people of Russia who were unaware 
of the superior product, Coca-Cola, I had gone on too long, my friend. And yeah. I'm glad to see it finally come to an end. Well, you know, I am very much a do as thou wilt kind of person. And I know that there are a ton of people who like Pepsi and that's great. Uh, you know, because that's less Pepsi that I have to run into in the field. And yeah. uh, I appreciate everybody taking the hit for me. And I already have enough friends, so it's fine. <laughs> there we go. I do want to say I do want to say one other thing, though, just as a as a wrap up about uh, this is something I wanted to check with you guys. Uh, we mentioned Pepsi's crazy marketing campaigns. Do you guys remember Pepsi points? There was this huge commercial campaign Um I think back in the late 90s where uh, Pepsi was, uh, this was all over TV. They said Pepsi was like, save up your Pepsi points. Look at all this cool stuff you can get. And one of their things that you could allegedly get was for 7 million Pepsi points, you could have, this commercial implied, an AV8 Harrier 2 jump jet. Do you think they made they got that as a barter with some other weird backroom dealing with another country? I, I don't trying to offload. Do you think they have like a secret storehouse full of like decommissioned war uh, equipment? Wouldn't that be cool? Maybe that would Pepsi be pretty cool. Secretly an army this whole time. This actually went to court because a guy named John Leonard sued PepsiCo and tried to enforce their offer to give him the jet. Uh, long story short, he didn't actually get 7 million Pepsi points. He read the fine print of the contest and he sent a certified check for $700,008 and 50 cents. Uh, that would be the cash value of those Pepsi points. And, uh, then he also paid a $10 shipping and handling fee. Uh, they, they, uh, they ultimately, uh, they ultimately rejected his claims though, but he did go to court. He just didn't get the jet. Uh, so that that I guess that concludes uh, today's episode. Um, you know, Casey, you have been sitting patient and, and taciturn while uh, while my co-host and I are clearly being, being pretty anti Pepsi. And I, I wondered, uh, do you have a do you have a can in this race? Do you have a can to kick here? Oh yeah, I'm I'm completely in the Coke camp. So uh, we are a thoroughly Coke friendly podcast. Casey on the case of Coca Cola. Oh, do you can you even buy it by the case? What is a case? So like, what are the units? You've got like a you get like twelve, right? You get like the the thing where it's like the it, it, there it's two levels and they're stacked on top of each other, and it's kind of uh like a like a rectangle yeah. sort of shape. Yeah, yeah that's a case. That's a case. Okay. So what's the step above that? Uh, I guess that, that could also be a case, I guess. A brick, maybe? Yeah, because that's 24. You can see the, that's 24 cans. You can see those at Costco and stuff. That's true. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll get to the bottom of these, uh, these numbers eventually. But in the meantime, huge thanks to super producer Casey Pegram. Thank God you're a coaxman because I didn't want to have to disown you. Um, so we're good. Uh, big thanks to Alex Williams, who composed our theme. Gabe Luzier, hero of the day, who hipped us to this incredible topic. We would never have uh, known about this if it wasn't for Gabe. Thank you, Gabe. Um, uh, despite quarantines aside, uh, we will still have Gabe joining us on this party uh, eventually. 
um, hopefully sooner than later. What do you say, Ben? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we are in contact with Gabe, who is real. You can hear him on Part Time Genius, and we're excited to get him on the show finally. Uh, additionally, we'd like to thank Christopher Hasiotis. We would like to thank Eves Jeffcoat. I'm saying we would like to. Let's just say it. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Eves. Ooh, speaking of Christopher Hasiotis, yeah, yeah. quick plug. You and I appeared on one of Christopher's new uh, food podcasts, Food Court with Richard Blaze, mm-hmm. which I think you can find uh, right now out there in the in the podcastosphere, where we debate the merits of uh, sausage versus bacon. Um, and it's a really fun show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you can hear you can hear that episode. You can also hear uh, some other folks in our network. I believe that the host of our sister podcast, Saver, are uh, are going to be weighing in. Uh, spoiler alert: I think their debate is cake versus pie. So please listen. Uh, we're surprised uh, that these are intense debates. Uh, Richard Blaze is an awesome host. It's a really cool show. I actually hope to see it live one day. Uh, but check it out now. It's available wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Um, our very last note, you know, whether whatever you drink, whether it's uh, soda, Stoli, Pepsi, or Coke, uh, we're very, very glad that you tuned in. Uh, we hope that you are weathering these strange times, uh, and we hope that you, you know, we hope that you reach out to us, of course, as we always say, as a show. We are a community. You can find us on all the places we named at the top of the show, but you can also find us as people because... To steal a line from Fox News, now more than ever, it's important to remember that we're we're all human. Every every person, no matter where they are, is still a person. Uh, so you can find us, uh, Noel and myself, uh, as individuals on the internet. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram exclusively, where I am uh, storying the hell out of this quarantine experience just to keep from going completely insane um, at How Now Noel Brown. And you can find me on Twitter at Ben Bolin HSW. You can also find me on Instagram at Ben Bolin. Uh, Noel, I will say that. I will say that I've been keeping an eye on your stories because I got a little concerned when there was actually there was construction in front of this dude's driveway. <laughs> and it was it was like you couldn't get out physically, right? I couldn't get out. Thankfully, there was a dude in a hole in the street right at the foot of my driveway um, that had been covered up with a giant steel plate. Thankfully, I, I wanted to yell at the contractors because you could tell who they were. They were the two guys in puffy uh, Patagonia vests. There's a new house being built across the street. Uh, but thankfully, it was wrapped and cleaned up by the end of the day. And hopefully, those the people who had to work during that time were okay. Uh, speaking of employees uh, in these strange and troubling times, uh, let us know what things are like in your neck of the global woods. Uh, and, and stay tuned because we are we, we figured out this quarantine thing. I actually feel really close to you guys right now, Noel and Casey, and you look great. Totally. Uh, we're figuring this out, and we plan uh, to keep making shows. So let us know the ridiculous stories that caught your eye this week. We will absolutely see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. 
Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.